Good afternoon and welcome to PRS Radio. We're coming to you live from the back of a DD taxi in Shenzhen, China for the first part of today's show. My name is Eugene Leonard and today I will be speaking to Gloria Carnavale. Gloria is a At- Canadian-Italian artist, designer, educator, speaker and curator who has lived in Shenzhen since 2012. You can find her on Twitter at Mrs. Carnavale Art. And her website is GloriaCarnevale.com. Carnevale is spelled C-A-R-N-E-V-A-L-E. This promises to be a really interesting show and I'm looking forward to the interview later today in La Five Chef's restaurant, the home of PRS Radio. We can be found by searching PRS Radio on the Anchor app or searching anchor.fm PRS Radio. My Twitter handle is Mr. Underscore Leonard Underscore U Swiss and we use the hashtag PRS Radio SZ on Twitter. I'm currently en route to SeaWorld actually to meet Steve Sostak and Aaron Moniz for lunch. They are the keynote speakers and presenters at the Sheku Summit which took place uh, on Friday and Saturday uh, at SIS. This summit focus was on the 17 sustainable development goals or the SDGs and you can find more information about the guys on inspirecitizens.org. This has been obviously a very hectic yet fulfilling week professionally and I presented a 90 minute workshop at the conference entitled Amplifying Voice Through Podcasting which included the launch of SDG Agency Shenzhen, a brand new community podcast station or channel in in the community dedicated to the promotion of the SDGs. You can find more information about the channel on anchor.fm forward slash SDG Agency SZ or simply search for SDG Agency Shenzhen on the Anchor app. I'll put all this information on the notes so don't worry too much about that. It's an exciting new project and I've been doing a lot of work on it over the last couple of days and this morning I've been doing a lot of research on Gloria Carnavale, uh, the Canadian-Italian artist, designer and educator who we will speak to well after I get my lunch. Um, so PRS Radio is dedicated is a dedicated station to interviewing long-term expats and long-term loc- uh, locals who have lived in Shenzhen for a long time and it it is a, an exciting new project of mine uh, we have interviewed Paul Delahunty in the first episode of the show and Claudio Giannatoni sorry Claudio I forgot your name it's very hard to pronounce for me in the second episode it was a wonderful episode so uh, we hope you and we hope you enjoyed them and for now just sit back and enjoy the interview with Gloria good afternoon Gloria Carnavale how are you doing I'm doing great how are you Outstanding. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's wonderful to have you uh, on PRS Radio. This is episode three and uh, we were having a lovely conversation just before we come on air and you were telling me uh, that you've actually been listening to our shows. Yeah, I have. I've listened listened to the uh, last episode you had and, you know, I thought it was really inspiring and, you know, I've always thought about really sitting down and talking to people who've been here for a very long time and um, I think your last episode really showed me, you know, how much we don't really know about a lot of people and, you know, all the really amazing things that they've done. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're very, very good at talking, but we're not uh, overly good at listening, most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Gloria, um, was there anything in particular about that episode that you liked? I really liked the message that... Um, the message, the overall message. Um, one thing I liked is just, you know, the advice about, you know, if, if you are... If you have issues with Shenzhen or you don't like it here, you complain about it. Like, no one's holding you here. You should just go. Yeah. Um, also, the idea that, you know, that really stuck with me. Um, the idea if you miss somebody, then you shouldn't stay. You should also go. So just those really stuck with me as I listened to it. Um, and, you know, it really got me thinking about my life and what I'm doing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I, f- I thought it was an excellent episode. It was with Claudio, uh, the owner of this restaurant, and he was he was a very philosophic, very mm-hmm. sil- philosophical mm-hmm. man, and um, and I really enjoyed the last forty minutes of the yes. show. I, w- I was quite stressed during it. It's <laughs> been a very busy day, um, but um, that that's wonderful. So for anyone listening, please go back and listen to the episode, episode two with Claudio. Episode one was with Paul Delahonte. He was the Virgin of PRS Radio. Mm-hmm. Now, today we have Gloria, Carla, Gloria Carnevale. In your website, you describe yourself as a passionate Canadian-Italian artist, a designer, an educator, a speaker, and a curator. It is really clear from your website that your love of the arts is an integral part of your life. So, Gloria, how would your, how would your friends describe you? Oh, geez. Um, I think my friends would describe me as somebody who kind of, you know, takes risks, kind of just goes for it. Um, I would say they would think I'm a really kind of hard worker or, you know, I put a lot of energy into everything. They would say that I'm really energetic. Um, They would say I'm kind and helpful. Um, Yeah, that's what I think they would say about me. But (laughs) And how would you describe yourself? Oh, man. I think we were our worst critics, right? Of uh, course. Jeez. I would say that, you know, I've, I'm really passionate about s- a certain things. Um, you know, I'm really invested in the things I do. Um, that's, what, that's what I would say. I, you know, I love art. It's been my life. Um, and anything to do with that. Um, yeah. I would say I'm pretty... I would say I'm pretty independent. I'm kind of a mix between like an extrovert and introvert, if there is one. I'm not, <laughs> you know, the, the one who likes to go out with big crowds, but I'm also not someone who likes to stay cooped up. So I think that's how I would describe myself. Sounds like you've got a good balance there. Yeah, yeah. So Gloria, um, now we're going to come back to art, obviously, in a later part of the show, because it is, it is your life. I, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 if you go to Gloria's website, it's GloriaCarnevale.com. So Carnevale is spelled C-A-R-N-E-V-A-L-E, GloriaCarnevale.com. Now, Gloria, you are a Canadian-Italian. You have been living in Shenzhen since 2012. Um, now, I would like to read a couple of testimonials from your sure, websites sure. because it really, uh, <laughs> when I was looking through it today, I, I just thought it was beautiful how other people describe you. And Thank you. It, um, it, it struck a chord with me, a couple of things in it. Uh, this is from... Uh, Julia of the class of 17 Mm -hmm. Mrs. Carnevale thank you so much 
Without your classes, I wouldn't have been able to make it into the University of Washington's design program. I feel very grateful that I had you as my art teacher in high school. I could not have done this without your help and guidance. Annie, class of 16, thank you so much for teaching us all sorts of mad artsy <laughs> and technical skills. These unique experiences can now be included in, in my first resume. Seriously, this is a great advantage. I now have to stand out from a pool of thousands of resumes. I now have what it takes to stand out from a pool of thousands of resumes. Then we have Gloria is an excellent leader. She listens to us and balances everyone's needs fairly and transparently. I feel like our team as a whole is welcoming and supportive. And as a result, we encourage each other to grow and challenge ourselves. Gloria plays a large part in maintaining this open, collaborative and dynamic environment. Another testimonial, excellent teacher, caring teacher, excellent communicator, and not afraid to be frank with our students. Excellent organizational skills. Oh, we're nearly there. All events <laughs> planned by Gloria are done in a manner that produces a very high quality product. Gloria pays attention to detail and is highly organized. She is passionate about her work and extremely dedicated to the school. Gloria works very well with her team and is an effective leader. The final two say organization, dedication, commitment to the school and its events. And the final one, well organized, but not afraid to stick up for what needs to be done. Good vision. What? How do you feel <laughs> hearing all that? Wow, and, uh, I feel pretty amazing hearing all that. <laughs> mm -hmm. What sticks out for you? Um, for me, I mean, for me, it's always the students, right? I think as educators, you always want your students to leave with something, you know, that can really help them in the real world, obviously. And, you know, just just those uh, two testimonials for me are just what gets me kind of going as a teacher and, you know, really, really helps me enjoy what I'm doing, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Makes you feel good? <laughs> Makes me feel really good. I, you know, I haven't... I haven't read those testimonials in a while, and, you know, sometimes I think it's nice to go back and, you know, listen to them. Yeah, wow. and it's nice to have them read to you, because there's a yeah. big difference in reading them yourself, reading something about yourself, uh, than when somebody reads it to you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> now, I want to give you my thoughts. When I look through your website, well, it's interesting, because this show, basically, we want to document the long-term experiences mm -hmm. uh, of long-term expats here and their mm -hmm. journey, their life story, and all those interesting things that um, we don't know about the people yeah. here. And it was interesting because I found out a lot of information from you from your website, and you're an educator and lots of us keep personal websites, while a lot of expats don't. So it was easier for me for the today's <laughs> show because there was a lot of things that I could, ah, okay, I can ask questions about that, that, and that. But one of the things that really struck out to me when I looked through your website. Two words, organized yeah. and methodical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I'm pretty notorious for being pretty organized. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I've learned that, you know, I think, you know, it's just weird. Ever since I was young, I've always been in some kind of like leadership role that's had has made me be very organized. Like, even when I was, you know, in high school, I was, like, teaching a dance class or helping out or, you know, or I was that student that 
you know, the teacher always put with the student who was, like, struggling, you know, and I was, like, the one who pulled it together. So yeah. I just feel like from a young age, I've always been really kind of organized in, in that sense. Do you enjoy being a leader? I do. I really like being a leader. Um, you know, I don't have any, I wouldn't say I have any, like, formal leadership training um, I think I learned a lot about being a leader when I had my own business, obviously, but um, I do. I like it, and, you know, it's, it, it makes me jump out, and it makes me not, I don't know, I always have, I always have good initiatives and things I want to do, so being a leader helps me to, like, share that vision uh, with others and make it possible. Do you struggle uh, taking orders from other people? Uh, no. I used to. <laughs> I don't anymore, though. <laughs> <laughs> what I changed? Um, I think just, I think the more experience that I got and, you know, I think, I think I became a leader when I was very young. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, experience throughout the years and learning from other leaders has really humbled me and I've learned a lot from that, so... That's that's what I would say. Excellent. Thank <laughs> yeah. you very much. Now, it, it was interesting as well. Those two words struck out, uh, stuck out in my head when I looked through your website, organized, methodical, and I was actually a bit jealous. Yeah. I, I was there going, ah, this, <laughs> it was so organized. There was all your, all the workshops you'd been to, all the professional development you did. It was all so perfect. I couldn't tell you in a, a workshop I was at two years ago, yeah. let alone 10 years ago. And I was, I was quite jealous of how well done it was. And it was like, yeah. And I thought to myself, I don't think Gloria and I could work together. I don't think our approaches would, because I'm a bit scatterbrained and all over the place yeah. and running with ideas. And yeah, I, I wonder, I wonder, would we have a clash of ideals? You know what? I work with a lot of artists, so you know, there's a lot of scatterbrained people mm. that I work with. But I think my leadership style is pretty laid back when I when I talk to my team and stuff. Um, but also to my website, I studied web design, right? So yeah. I, I know how, like, you know, usability and how that's supposed to look and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's why it's a really method, method, methodical. Method, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't worry. The Irish are very good with the language. <laughs> now, actually, I'll tell you something interesting as well. When I was reading it, and it is really well laid out, a, a person came into my head, and it was a. Uh, uh, when I was living in Carlisle at university, uh, there was a girl who lived in my house, Rachel Thomas. And for <laughs> some reason, when I looked at your website, straight away, she popped into my head. And I'll tell you why, because this girl was organized. <laughs> yeah. She was so organized. At the end of the PGCE course, the one-year education yeah. to become a teacher, uh, she had 14 folders of work oh compiled. Goodness. I had one. No, I'm not. I'm not that organized. I'm not gonna have fourteen yeah. folders. Yeah. So it, yeah, I don't. It just popped. She just popped into my head. I, she used. To, I, she used to drive me mad because mm. it was like she was so organized. I'd be like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and I used to drive her mad because she was looking, going, "What? Why aren't you doing this?" So we had a real. It was that sort of yeah. clash again. But we got on really well. She was a wonderful teacher as well. So um, now, Carnivale is your surname. Yes. Now, that's not a very common Canadian name, is it? No. Would you like to talk us through that? Sure. Uh, my background is Italian, so both my parents are from Italy. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I'm first generation Canadian, so uh, I was born and raised in Canada. Um, Carnivale means carnival, obviously. <laughs> I didn't actually know yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, it means carnival. It's Italian for carnival. Um, okay. I think the actual name originates in Venice, but my family is from kind of about an hour and a half uh, south of Rome from a town called Pico. Pico. Yes, it's like a, a it's the countryside of Rome mm -hmm. in uh, Lazio, so that's where my family's from. Um, my mom came here when she, well, not here, sorry, to Canada when she was uh, one, one years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so she pretty much grew up in Canada, but very much grew up like, you know, the immigrant lifestyle of like, you know, people coming after the war on a ship and then kind of bringing their culture to Canada. And, you know, she lived through that. And then my dad came uh, to Canada when he was in his late mid, sorry, mid to late 20s. So he kind of really grew up in Italy and came in the 60s. So, yeah. So. So. You, you said your mom came when she was... One. One years old. Yeah. And your father when he was 20. Now, was there any sort of clash of, like, did your father try to hold on to, obviously, because he had a lot more of his Italian background, um, and your mother would have less? I don't know. They, You know, my dad, I think my dad is very set in his ways. He's very, uh, I think he's really, he grew up, he was pretty strict, but... Uh, I don't know. I think my mom is definitely more, more has more has has more of the Canadian culture kind of in her. Yeah. A bit more like. But she wouldn't have had that life. youth in Italy, so. Yeah. Um. So, um. You. What? How old were you when um you moved to Shenzhen? When I moved to Shenzhen, I was twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Now you yeah. had a lot of um. You had a lot of different jobs before you moved to um, Shenzhen. Yes. Um, you were, I, I looked through your website, you're a photo editor, you're a lead designer, you're now the head of visual arts and design at INS, you teach theory of knowledge, and you are also the creative design, director and owner of Carnivale Designs. Now that's yeah. the thing that really stood out for me, that was between the period of 2008 and 2012. Mm -hmm. uh, would you like to talk to us a little bit about your jobs in the past? Sure. Um, so I went to school for, you know, traditional fine arts degree. I did that. And then after that, I went to design school. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of studied both. Um, in art school, I studied mostly printmaking and photography. And um, I was a photo editor of our school paper called the Argosy. So that's, that's where I got my photo kind of editing. And this was in Canada, was it Sackville? Or? Sackville, New Brunswick. Yeah. yeah. So it's east coast of Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in the Toronto area, so for me, um, it was like a different planet when I went to school. <laughs> in which way? Well, I mean, Toronto is very much, I grew up in the Toronto area, just like 40 minutes west mm -hmm. um, in the suburbs. But where I grew up in Canada, it was very much, very multicultural, people from everywhere kind of live there and then I found when I went to the east coast you know it wasn't like that it was very much you know n there was no Italian there hardly or mm -hmm. <laughs> anything so uh it was you know really beautiful landscape um wilderness really nice people really kind of the maritimer mentality that they had there and it was a great experience there 
Um, but going back to my jobs. <laughs> Are you university? Whatever works for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I've, I've had a lot. And I think, you know, it's interesting in this day and age. I don't think anybody kind of keeps the same job forever like mm -hmm. people used to in the past. So um, I finished art school and then I went to design school and... I decided to open my own business. And when I finished design school, there was a recession going on. So it was a bit difficult for people to find jobs. Mm -hmm. But I decided to uh, open my own business so I could, like, try different things out. You would have been 22 then, I guess. I was young, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was very young. That's a good risk to take. It's, it's yeah. yeah, why not? And, you know, it was great. Um so I had little jobs here and there. I worked for the longest job I had. And I didn't have, like, I didn't I didn't do, like, my full-out job like that for a very long time. Because that was maybe for three years that I did that. Um, but my first kind of job with that company, because I was, uh, I, was I was a contractor. So I worked for a company. It was supposed to be for, like, two months. It ended up... Awesome that I was there for about, um, like, three years, pretty much. And uh, it was a startup company, and I was a designer there, and I worked with a marketing team. I learned a lot. Um, I find that having my own business was a lot of um, really long hours, right? And, uh, yeah, you just work for yourself, so... It was kind of cool because you could kind of work when you want to, when you don't <laughs> want to. You could work from anywhere. So that was nice. But I think, too, I also wanted some time to kind of do my own art. But I found that having my own business kind of got me away from that because I was so busy. Mm -hmm. Right? And, you know, when you work for yourself, you don't always have that stability of, like, a paycheck. Right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I bet you took less sick days. Yeah. No, yeah. It's like... <laughs> My friends would complain, oh, I can't take a sick day because I only have so many and then I won't get paid. And I'm like, well, if I don't work, I just don't get paid. So sounds pretty good to me. What lessons did you learn from opening your own business at such a young age? And would you open a business again in the future? Or have you been put off that experience? Um, I learned, obviously, I think the organization thing really was full-fledged there with, like, you know, billing people, making sure you get paid, um, I learned a lot to be really straightforward and really clear um, when you communicate with people um, and not to kind of beat around what you really want to say. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting because I worked in that job that I had, that first job, I worked with like three men. And it was really good because we could just like talk to each other and like tell each other really quick. We didn't have to, you know break things down easy mm -hmm. for people to understand. It's kind of just like, <laughs> I need this by like 2 o'clock. Like, okay. It was never like, oh, why do you need that? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, no. Nope. You didn't need to have a meeting about it. <laughs> no. You didn't have to You didn't have to share your feelings about what you needed to do. You just kind of did it. Yeah. So I learned, I learned, a, lot, uh, I learned a lot about, you know, being professional in that sense that, you know. Yeah. That's, that's what I would say. About uh, that experience. Tell me this. What has been your favorite job so far? Um, I really like my job teaching. Okay. And I got into teaching 
uh, I was working as a designer and my friend um, was teaching a design class in uh, the in Canada mm-hmm. and I was she called me in to kind of um, I was I was kind of interested in teaching because I really you know liked the idea of it so I went into her class and I would you know help her students out and stuff and I found that it was like really rewarding um, and working with the, the students and I found that I got a lot more from it than what I was doing so you know it wasn't just any more about like sitting in front of a computer for like 12 hours and like making a design it was you know showing someone how to do it and you know them feeling really good about it and you know so did you teach at the same time as having your own business no mm, yeah so I stopped having my own business and then I went to get my education degree okay and then that's right after I got my education degree I came to Shenzhen and so um why Shenzhen why did you decide to come here how did that happen <laughs> yeah like obviously you <laughs> where is it Saxville in New Brunswick yeah. you say to uh, Shenzhen it's a big leap yeah so um it was interesting so you know I was working in Toronto at the time i finished uh, my education degree in the Toronto area and then it so happened that my friend I went to art school um, with was working at my school here in Shenzhen and she was leaving mm-hmm. and you know I had just finished my education degree and she's like do you want to work here and I'm like sure so I decided to know uh, it was only supposed to be like a year thing and I was of like of course it is it's <laughs> always a year <laughs> So I was like, yeah, I'll come to Shenzhen, sure. And yeah. this was, you know, 2012. Um, and it was interesting because I didn't even, it was kind of like I decided to go in like maybe March. And we obviously I didn't come here till August, but I didn't really even do very much research or anything about <laughs> Shenzhen because I was like, cool, I'm going to China for a year. Yeah. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to like meet people, see things. What did your parents have to say about this? Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a story. Well, you know, um, I I guess my Italian heritage is is very close. My family, Mm. you know, I have really good parents. My parents have been together for forever. You know, I have two sisters. We're really close people. And I think leaving, um, I think they were really supportive, especially... You know, my dad, because he left Italy to kind of, like, come here and have a good Mm -hmm. job. And he's always kind of really been into the idea of traveling and all that kind of thing. And I think it was only supposed to be a year. So they were like, yeah, you know, do it. It's a year. It's a good experience. But I don't know. I've been here for now. (laughs) This is my eighth year. And I think now they're just like, you need to come back. (laughs) (laughs) When are you coming home? After three years rolled around, they were like, um, are you coming back or yeah. what's the deal? So, so um, I kind of fell into my job. Is really a lot of people fall into a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. uh, jobs, marriage, life, yeah. <laughs> all sorts of things. So you packed up your bags. Uh, did you close down the business or did somebody take it over? Or? No, I just closed it down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just did it and. So what were your first impressions when you arrived in sunny Shenzhen? You know what? The first thing I noticed is I didn't realize that Shenzhen was so modern. Um, I've heard a lot about it, but in my mind, I kind of always had this idea of China like in my mind. It's like, 
beautiful buildings, you know, all this cultural heritage, etc. But, you know, Shenzhen is so modern. I really was impressed by how green Shenzhen was. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful city, but there's, you know, it's green and there's flowers everywhere. And that's what I noticed. Um, I noticed that, you know, it was really kind of easy life here when I got here. I mean, it, it's changed a lot. Mm-hmm since then but i I found a sense of you know adventure when i came here um and i found it was like really easy to you know get by yeah i agree it's a very very easy city to live in it's yeah transport is simple getting around getting food going to the restaurant it's an easy lifestyle and uh, i've come to uh, appreciate it a lot more Mm -hmm. in the last year um and it's something interesting you should say uh, you said about China, about uh, Shenzhen, how modern it is. Because if you listen to the first episode, Paul's been here for 17 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's married with two children. Mm-hmm. And he said you need to be aware that Shenzhen is the shop window of China. Yeah. That's how he described yeah. it. So um, talk me through your early days in Shenzhen. How did you go about getting starting a new life? Like, what did you do first? Oh, man. I came alone, so I was living by myself. I lived on residence at school. Um, I think, you know, it it was easy for me because, you know, I made a lot of friends my first year, especially where I worked, and we did a lot of things together. Um, it's weird because I don't speak Mandarin at all very well, and you think that I would pick that up, but no. But um, I guess just learning, like, survival words to use um i think once you get like the met their metro is amazing here it's fantastic you can get anywhere so you know whenever you're lost you just jump on a metro you can get anywhere um clean fast efficient perfect simple taxis are amazing uh when i came for sure you know i found that things weren't very expensive so you know when you first come and you move somewhere you know you have to save all that money so you can start your life up again but Mm -hmm. I found that you know eating was easy and going around was easy um it's almost cheaper to eat or eat out than cook your own food here I found yeah so I that's I I think just making connections with you know basically the staff that I was working with my first year really kind of helped me around where was that where did you start working what's the name of the school International School of Nanshan Shenzhen. So okay. I've been working there for the last, this is my eighth year. Eighth year, fantastic. Yeah. And what is your role there? Um, I'm the head of visual arts and design there. Mm-hmm. And I teach a diploma program and middle school years art. So I teach basically grade six to, no, sorry, not grade, not grade six, grade 10 to grade 12. Um, and I also teach theory of knowledge too. And that's something I started teaching last year. Which is? Theory of Knowledge. It's a diploma program course, mm-hmm. and we look at how we know what we know and how we acquire knowledge. So it's, it's probably the hardest class I've ever taught, um, but it's a, it's a really interesting class in, in that sense because, you know, I don't think there's anything kind of like it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, what's the one thing you wish you had known when you began your life in Shenzhen or before you arrived here? Hmm. 
I wish I would have known how much I liked it here. Yeah. You know, because I've spent so much time here and it's really hard to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I grew up, I didn't grow up like ignorant to like other cultures or anything like that. Um, but I think, I wish I would have known how much I like traveling and how much, you know, I like experiencing different cultures. Because now that I'm away, I feel like it's really hard to go back. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. And the longer you stay away, it's... Yeah. Because I, I can never see myself going back to live in Ireland at this stage. I think, you know, if my family back home lived in China, I probably would not go back, you know? Yeah. Because that's, I think for me, that's the only thing kind of like right now tying me to mm -hmm. that place. Yeah. Now, I'm going to, let's move it on to a little bit about art. Sure. Now, your, your passion for art is clearly at the center of your life. It's completely integral to your life. Now, maybe this is, is going to take us back to something that we didn't talk about earlier. Sure. Um, can you recollect the moment where your passion for art was, uh, where that was lit, who influenced it? Oh, wow. So, it's, it's a really, so art has always kind of been in my life, but I've never really, like, it's never really, it didn't really hit me till I was in high school. Mm -hmm. So, my mom, I grew up, my mom is, like, super artistic. My mom uh, does ceramics growing up. Mm -hmm. So, I, I, and she was always very creative and very crafty, my mother. Um, so I was always kind of into doing art in that sense. Um, even my grandmother, they were all very like artsy people in that sense. Um, did your grandmother move over from Italy as well? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So my mom's, yeah, my mom's family. So my mom's, uh, mom and dad were in Canada. Mm -hmm. So she came over with her parents okay. and her sister so a huge influence uh, from your family and yeah. your artistic life. So they were really creative people, especially on my, my mother. Um, and then my sister was always into, like, acting. My other sister's a hairstylist. So we've always had these kind of, like, artistic, creative, creative jobs. Yeah. My father, he's a writer in Italy, so oh. he writes. So, uh, but I didn't really hit me like growing up too I did a lot of I did dance growing up and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff I did drama but it was when I started uh, art in high school um, one of my art teachers really influenced me and um, I just found it as like a really great outlet for what I wanted to communicate and I, I didn't realize I was really good at art until I took like formal art classes in high school can you remember that teacher's name? Yeah, her name was Miss Tikalik. I still talk to her now, and she's been a, a great influence in my life. Miss Tikalik. Tikalik, yes. I'm struggling to say that. <laughs> yeah. Where was she from? <laughs> um, her background is she's from Croatia, mm -hmm. but uh, she's Canadian as well. Okay, so, so you'll have to send her this and uh, this uh, episode of PRS Radio. And, yeah, uh, well, I'll send it to her. But excellent. Yeah, where I grew up, there's there's lots of. Um, Lots of European people, Eastern European people. So nobody really had like everyone had a, everyone had a, a last name that wasn't didn't seem very you know Canadian. I would say if you, there is such a thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was listening to an excellent podcast during the summer, and uh, 
they were talking about how open Canada is to immigrants and how welcoming they have yeah. been to Syrian uh, mm -hmm. refugees over the last few years. Mm -hmm. And they're just comparing it to mm -hmm. the really terrible policies of other countries. And mm -hmm. it, was, it was really beautiful to hear, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's a great country, and I'm you know I'm really blessed that I'm I'm from, you know, a country that is forward thinking in that sense, you know. Yeah. So. Excellent. So now, your website shows many examples of your amazing work, your <laughs> awards, your achievements, such as the Art Canton Contemporary Award this year, yes. and you have been at the forefront of many new and exciting in initiatives and community outreach programs in both Shenzhen and Canada, mm -hmm. including. But there are many, many more, <laughs> folks. You'll have to go to GloriaCarnavale.com. I'm just going to read out a few here. I, I was, I, I'm got to say, I was completely, I, I was so impressed. It, it was Thank amazing you. to read through Thank all you. the stuff that you had done. And uh, you are the co-chair and founding member of International Shenzhen Artists Forum. Yes. You, you've been working with the Sunshine Academy with the PRC for several years. Ah. <sighs> uh, a plethora, a multitude of art exhibitions that you have curated. You're a public speaker, a workshop leader, you're a teacher of note, uh, you're a curator for many art gallery exhibitions. I, I could read pages upon pages upon mm -hmm. pages of achievements mm -hmm. and awards and wonderful congratulations on Thank that you, you really have made Thank something so amazing of yourself Thank in you. Shenzhen. Now what is your proudest achievement professionally? Because I asked this question the other day to somebody, uh, Steve from Inspire Citizens, mm -hmm. and I asked him, what's your proudest achievement? And he says, well, obviously my family. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I will ask you first professionally, what's oh. your proudest achievement? I think for me, um, I think, you know, coming to Shenzhen, I've been here for, this is my eighth year. For the first three years I was here, I didn't really do very much. So I was really focused on my teaching. I didn't do a lot of art. I was kind of in the teaching mode. You know, I just came out of teaching call, you know, teaching school and you know, I was really in it to win it. And then for me my greatest achievement I think professionally would be uh ISAF, the International Shenzhen Artist Forum because uh that really gave me a venue to really start getting back into art and starting to curate and showing my work and that really also got me into the community. So through that, it's even helped my um, being a teacher and the things that I do in my classroom. So making the community connections that I have in the last like maybe four years, I think is probably my best accomplishment that, that I have. And kind of, you know, really being present in that sense and taking those opportunities I think would be my greatest achievement. Yeah, you're a real role model in the community, and you're you're very active, and it's uh, it's a real credit to you. Congratulations! Thank you. And, Thank you. Um, you're uh, you know quite a few of the ladies at Swiss, I believe. Well, and I was looking <laughs> yeah. through some of your pictures, and I was like, oh, there's Jen Rogan. <laughs> yes, I you, miss her so much. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and even her husband Mark. He, yes. he was a nice guy, but uh, we don't miss you, Mark. <laughs> We're going to have to send this to him yeah, now, we'll obviously. Them, we'll send this to them. Yeah, and so obviously that's your proudest achievement. Now, when when I was looking through your some of your works, there's, there's three of them that really stood out for me. Sure. I, I'm not quite sure why, but okay. And one of them was really old. It was from 2004. Oh wow, we're going back to school days. Yeah, well, it it just stood out for me, and sure. it was 
palliative—it's a hard word to say—palliative. Palliative care. Palliative care. Collaborative prints by by Mount Allison Fine Art and Dale House Medical Students in Sackville. Now I was there. I just looked at that. Went. I want to know about that. What was that project about? Oh man. So way back in 2004. So this is my first year of university. I was 19. Um. So we did this this collaborative. Uh exchange between medical between us art students so first year fine art student and medical students at Dalhousie University so we went there in 2004 maybe me and myself and maybe there's maybe a handful of us maybe five of us and then of course our professor and we went to Dalhousie and like we worked with medical students and you know we got to look at um you know medical organs and you know bodies and things and it mm-hmm. was really cool and uh we made an art piece together and we had an exhibition and it was it was really interesting um just to b- to combine the art world and the medical worlds kind of together and we, we, we were there for oh man about a week or so yeah and that was like a good eye-opening experience for me just to kind of see that you know, art goes in many different ways and it's not always, you know, it doesn't travel on its own, but you can combine it with anything and make connections. So that was, I forgot about that one actually, but I actually didn't forget about it. But yeah, that was something super early on. Yeah, I will, I'll, I'll take you <laughs> up to then the second one that really stood out for me, obviously, uh, was the 2008 Master Prize for Humor in Art. Oh, yeah. Uh, tell me about that. Okay. That was a good one. So I was really, you know, my art's kind of always been about the idea of identity and how I represent myself in the world and the things that kind of influence me, you know. And it's really unpredictable because certain things happen and it really changes how I make art. But at that time, I was super self-conscious about not, it was, I don't know, I was really young, about like, my appearance and, you know, wearing makeup out and this idea about how women have to, like, you know, look beautiful when they go out, etc. So I, I did this really funny series um, where I asked my professors if I could take pictures of them with makeup and without makeup. <laughs> Male and female. Um, I kept it to females. <laughs> okay. It was, like, really awkward for me to, like, ask people, so I yeah. kept it... With, with females, and um, it was really interesting because I didn't, so if you look on my website, you'll see, like, uh, there's, like, a, a picture of the professor with makeup and one without makeup, mm-hmm. um, and the one without makeup, they look, like, just normal, and I didn't direct them in any way to tell them, like, what to do or anything, and as soon as I put makeup, and this is, like, this is, like, gaudy makeup. This wasn't, like... I'm not a makeup student or anything. This is like eyelashes I put on them and, you know, just really crazy makeup. Not Maybe if you were doing a performance, you would wear it, but nothing you would go out with. And they would just like, they just started performing in the poses that they gave me. It was like they were like this new person or this different person. But for me, what was interesting about that series was it took me about like three hours to put on their makeup. And then the conversation 
that I had with these professors while I did their makeup. They were telling me about, like, their whole life and, like... See, that's a podcast series. Yeah. That would be an excellent podcast series. Yeah. And to me, it was, like, this bond that I had with them. But, yeah, I won the, the master, the prize in that because it was just interesting uh, from... I think it was mostly the pictures where I put makeup on the professors mm. and everyone was like, oh my God, look at that professor, like, or Excellent. the reaction that they had. Yeah, it stood out for me. <laughs> now, the last one, and these were all old that stood out for me. Yeah. Um, I, I will admit, I'm not, I don't know much about the art world and I, I couldn't uh, tell you Picasso from a, <laughs> a Hello Who painting. Sure. Uh, <laughs> not many people could, probably. Yeah. Now, 2004, uh, in your website, my evolution was one of the pieces you had. Now, I was really wondering what you were specifically referring to there more than anything else. What was that? Do you even remember evolution. yourself? <laughs> that was um, that was a show that I did. Uh, it was just a small thing I did for a festival, and it was uh, a festival called Flounder Festival in, um, in Burlington. Flounder? Flounder Festival, Is that yes. A place or no, it's just it's named that. My sister, um, my older sister, has created this festival, um, and yeah, I showed my work there over the summer. Just uh, projects that I was working on mm -hmm. throughout the summer. So that was that. It was uh, just a whole bunch of different things. It, it, there wasn't any. I think my evolution in the sense of like. I forget, I, I think that was before I was going to university. It was 2004, right? So before I was going to university, so it was kind of just showing my evolution as like learning about art from high school and then transitioning into university. So that's why it was my evolution. <laughs> okay, thank you yeah. very much for that. Yeah. Um, now let's get back to your art community. Sure. Um, tell me about it. Tell me about, what do you do? Okay, so ISAF. So ISAF started about almost four years ago in 2016. Uh, my friend, Britton Abisher. It was actually, it was a really interesting time in my life because like I was saying, when I was in Shenzhen for the first three years, I did nothing. And then um, my wife said to me, she said to me, you know, my wife, she's a, she's a musician. She works at our school as well. Um, what musician? Uh, what what does he play? Sorry. Uh, she's a singer. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, she's also uh, you know works at our school. She's the uh, director of. Um, she's one of the like one of the directors at our school. Okay. So. Does she have a name? <laughs> yeah, my wife. Her name is Addie Loy. Okay. Yes. Uh, she's a director of program development at our beautiful. school. Beautiful. So she she's yeah. Anyways, I met her. Yeah. In Shenzhen and. Um, she said to me, she's like, you know, you really need to do something for yourself. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, like one of those, you know, your... Your labor of love. Yeah. Where, she, you know, she was doing her music and she was going out on top of what she was doing and really doing what she was passionate about. And I found in those three years, I kind of lost a track of that. Yeah. So she said to me, she's like, yeah, you got to go out. You got to do something. And I'm like, okay. And then literally, I don't know, the universe was working. My... One of my friends was like, oh, like, you know, my friend wants to start an organization about for artists 
in Shenzhen, like mm-hmm. for foreign artists, so uh, they can get together and they can connect and they can, you know, do art together. And then she's like, she's they're having a meeting, like the first meeting, like next week. Do you want to come? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> Perfect timing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a higher power. Yeah, in October of 2016, was it 20? Yeah, 2016. I was just married. It was like the new school year. My wife was like, you got to do this. Not, she didn't tell me I got to do it, but she was nudging me. <laughs> so I went, and I met my friend, Britton Abisher, and uh, he had this idea of starting ISA, mm-hmm. so a community for foreign artists where uh, artists could connect with each other, show artwork, talk about art, kind of growing that community of foreign artists because there's so many artists here, but nobody was, like, talking to each other. Yeah. And that's where ISAF came about, and since then we've done so many things. So, oh gosh, uh, we do, we have drawing sessions that we do. We do something called ISAF challenges where we pose uh, artists with challenges that they do over a certain amount of time. And then we have a show. We do like open calls for shows where artists submit work and then we curate an exhibition around it. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a magazine called The Art Scene uh, that we do. <laughs> yeah, where we, we showcase like... Uh, the arts that are going on in Shenzhen. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of just flourished. We have a forum. So we have artist forums that we do where people can come and listen to uh, certain members of the art world kind of talk about uh, what they're doing. So it's kind of like a really big community. Vibrant, really vibrant yeah. community. Yeah. So it's flourished in the last like four years. Excellent. And it's because of ISAF that I've really, you know, started to do art things again. Yeah. Yeah. That's outstanding. I know. <laughs> there's also I'm not sure if, uh, there's a huge community of photographers here yes um, are you involved with that as well um, no I'm not involved in uh, the specific photography community mm-hmm. I have I have been in shows for photography but yeah. I haven't really um, been with the photographers specifically I find like for, for me photography is one of the venues I use but I'm not really super caught up in like the tech of photography and like you know having the perfect shot or the yeah. perfect lens or whatever it's just another medium that I use so um what is your preferred medium to use um I really like using I I, I really like doing printmaking mm-hmm. um a lot of mixed media I would say um I'm doing I've been doing a lot of just photography with my phone recently so mm-hmm. To get kind of images for what I'm using, but um, I would say it would be mixed media and printmaking. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you very much. And um, how would somebody join this community if they were new to Shenzhen? Oh, so it started with a WeChat group. Mm-hmm. So usually, um, usually someone just gets added to our WeChat group, like uh, someone who's already part of it will meet someone and add them and then we put out the challenges and all that in our WeChat group and we have our website uh, isaf.com um, where you can kind of see what we're up to and we put our calls for work and all that kind of stuff on there so it's pretty easy just the you know the WeChat way that the we WeChat all use way. It's the, the China way it's the, the China best way. way but we will put your Twitter handle it's Mrs. Carnivale Art isn't that correct at yes. Mrs. Carnivale yes, Art yes and I'll put a link to your website sure, in the notes awesome so 
uh, Gloria, we're going to take a little short break, okay. uh, give you a chance to get a glass of water, <laughs> yeah. uh, give me a chance to check the sound and to see if everything's all right. Uh, in the next part of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the hurdles maybe you've faced in Shenzhen sure. and what makes a successful artist okay. and, uh, <laughs> or, or what breaks an artist. Yeah. <laughs> okay, join us again for the second part of the show on PRS Radio. Welcome back to the second part of today's show from PRS Radio, Shenzhen. In the studio we have Gloria Carnavale. We've been hearing a fascinating story about her early life growing up in Saxville, New Brunswick, Canada. Uh, her father moved from Italy to Canada when he was 25, I think. Uh, her mother moved when she was one, I believe. Uh, Gloria was heavily in influenced in her artistic career by her mother, her grandmother, and basically every one of your sisters <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is an artist in some way. Um, now, Gloria moved to Shenzhen when she was, I think, 26. Was that correct? 27. 27. And mm -hmm. um, we've heard all about the wonderful achievements, the awards, the uh, curation of arts, the public speaking that Gloria has Gloria has done since she arrived in Shenzhen, and it's really been wonderful. Uh, please take a look at our website. It's GloriaCarnevale.com. That's C-A-R-N-E-V-A-L-E. GloriaCarnevale.com. And you can find her on Twitter at Mrs. Carnevale Art. For anybody who wants to join the thriving, and it really is a thriving art community within Shenzhen, please contact Gloria and she will help you out. Uh, our podcast can be found on the Anchor platform, the Anchor app, download it and search for PRS Radio. My Twitter handle is Mr. underscore Leonard underscore Swiss, that's Swiss, S-W-I-S, uh, and you can search for uh, PRS Radio uh, it's anchor.fm forward slash PRS radio. Now, Gloria, in the second part of the show, I want to talk a bit, a bit about success and failure in the art world. And sure. first of all, let's, let's, let, before that, sorry, let, let's just talk about something. What mistakes do you think people make when they come to Shenzhen? Because we talked before the show, we talked about Claudio um, who was on the second episode of the show, and we've just talked to him off air, actually, because we are in La Five Chefs. And what mistakes do people make when they move here and when they have lived here for a long period of time? I think the biggest mistakes people make when they come to Shenzhen is, you know, I think that the idea that when you come here, you know, you have to embrace the culture where you are. Mm -hmm. Right, and that's something that you need to do. You can't just come here closed-minded and think everything's gonna be like where you last came from. So okay. you just have to. I, I find I I in I find I people sometimes think that everything here is gonna be like easy, uh, like the way it was that they're used to. So mm -hmm. like, they just be mindful that like. It's a new country, things work differently, and you just have to be mindful of that. Yeah, you've mentioned mindful several times in this show, yeah. actually, earlier on as well. What advice would you have for people? To be mindful, oh gosh. 
how can they be mindful? Um, I think everybody has different ways they can be mindful, but just listen, uh, get to know the culture, um, and just don't make a lot of assumptions, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, listen to yourself, too, at the same time. I mean, being mindful is a hard thing, and... I'm not really sure what other kind of advice I would give people for well, that. It's interesting what you just said there. Listen to yourself as well because it goes back to Claudio's advice. Yeah. If you are saying to yourself, I need to get out of here, I need yes. to get out of here, just go. Just leave. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And he said that. Yeah. Stop grumbling. Get on with it. Go. The door yeah. is open. Nobody's holding you mm -hmm. here. And it was really good advice from Claudio. Yes. If you're not happy, go. Go. Yeah. So um, what... What hurdles have you personally faced living in Shenzhen from a cultural point of view or any specific personal hurdles or anything you would like to talk about in that area? Um, some hurdles. I think I think I had my most most of my hurdles when I was here my first year and I think it was just getting used to the culture. Mm -hmm. I haven't honestly Shenzhen for me has been so easy to live in and I've been surrounded by a lot of really good people. I haven't really had very many hurdles, I would say. I think for me, the biggest hurdle about living here was to be away from my family, but that really doesn't have to do with living here, right? It could be living anywhere. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that's a real credit to the strength of your art community. Yeah, I would say so too. And uh, there's some ladies from Swiss in that art community. Do you want to give them a <laughs> shout out? Because if they do listen and they, they don't get their names mentioned, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I could be in for a lot of trouble. I, I know there's one Miss Miss Legault. Yes, uh, Miss Kumi. Yes, she she would obviously <laughs> want a shout out. Yes, I've known Kumi now for oh gosh, for four years. You know, she's one of the one of our admin team members and ISAF who've been with us for a very long time now. So yeah, she's one of my close friends and. She's a pretty awesome person. <laughs> well, you know, the, there's perspective there. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's a wonderful lady. And you're not, this is the truth, actually. The rest was all lies. <laughs> uh, but uh, she has tried to uh, tried to coax me into going to one of those drawing sessions oh, yeah? as a model uh, oh, yeah? <laughs> on a Tuesday night on many of occasions. And uh, I have turned her down on uh, every one. <laughs> Because the money's crap in my... It's like, how much is it? 200 RMB? Not a chance here getting me to go down there. But maybe I'll do it uh, I'll, I'll do it in the future. Yeah, think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see. <laughs> yeah, so Kumi's part of your art community and there's Jen. Uh, uh, there's several other teachers. Is there involved? Yeah, so we've had different uh, team members over the, um, over the past four years. I mean... Because with the nature of expats, you know, you don't really, some of you stay or you go and, you know. Yeah. Um, we started with four members and now we have about seven. Um, so we have Kumi, we have, um, we have Michael Williams is part of it, uh, Maria Mogus, uh, Katerina Braga, uh, Jennifer Nicholas. Mm -hmm. So there's about, there's about seven of us. Do you consider yourself... Uh, successful I do I do I do on many levels I think um, I think professionally I've been pretty successful and um, I've been true to kind of what I like doing and there's been times where I've thought about 
doing other things, but um, I've been, I think I've been really good in trying to find a way to kind of put them together. Um, yeah, I would say that I, I, I would say that I, I feel pretty successful. What attributes do you need to be successful, do you think? What's the main attributes? I think to be successful, you have to be motivated. So you really have to enjoy what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have this mentality of just do it. <laughs> and can, can do. Can't you just, I can do it. I'm just going to do it. And, you know, sometimes it's not going to work out. Sometimes it's going to work out. Or hopefully more of the t- most of the time it will work out. Um, but I think too, especially when we started uh, ISAF, the idea, I think what I really learned is the idea of being balanced. And the false, sometimes people think being balanced means that, you know, when someone threw balanced at me before, it's like, oh, you know, you need to be balanced so you can... You know, you get this kind of like relax, like relax between your work life and your other life and mm-hmm. sense of balance. But to be balanced, it's like extremely hard work, I would say. And, you know, having an artist organization that you work, we work with and then also having your other job. I mean, yes, you're balanced because you're really being true to like your your heart and what you really want to do in that sense to keep you kind of motivated outside of your job but at the same time it's a lot of work right? I think it's impossible to be balanced all the time mm, I think it's, it's being balanced is work it's not just a mm. easy peasy <laughs> yeah I, I've been really hectic busy this week preparing mm-hmm. for this workshop and yeah. it's impossible to be balanced yeah. in the room so I've, I was barely sleeping and yep. you know there was a lot I was thinking about for the yep. workshop and the launch of the podcast and mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 <laughs> there's a fine balancing act in being yes. balanced um, now, not everybody is successful in the art world, yeah. not everybody is successful in the real world, and not mm-hmm. everybody is successful full stop, mm-hmm. but there's, I suppose, varying levels of success, and everybody is a success in their own way, Yes. but unfortunately, people don't view it that way, and mm-hmm. can see themselves as a failure, Yeah. Um, when really they're not, mm-hmm. if they look at it from a completely different perspective, but... In the art world, what's the most common reason for people to basically give up, to, to, to stop painting, to stop writing, to stop drawing, to, to put down their mouse and <laughs> just give up? Hmm. I think a lot of people have different reasons for that, but um, I mean, it's in the art world, it's really hard to kind of get started, right? You put mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of work into it initially and then eventually like you start to get noticed and you start to do things but I mean possibly money I would say like it's not it's not a type of career where you're gonna you know right off the bat you're gonna be very successful it takes a lot of work so I would say that it's hard financially for people Mm -hmm. um I think if you don't, you need to have an extreme sense of drive and commitment. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that kind of mentality, then it would be very difficult. Catching a break is important as well. Yeah. So networking is good. Mm-hmm. You need to network a lot and meet people and make connections. I think that's a huge thing. And I think if you 
if you're the type of person where you think that everything's going to come to you, then it's, it's not going to work really well. Yeah, I know what you're saying there and networking. And I was thinking about the balancing act that is social media because I guess unless you promote your own work yeah. to get your name out there and to get recognized, then it's never going to happen for you because you have to get to the stage where other people are promoting your work, but you have yes. to promote your own work first. Yes. So there's a balance involved there, and mm -hmm. it's it's something that I have been thinking about as well this week. Yeah. Um, now, have you experienced many failures in your life? And if so, would you like to talk about them? And more specifically, what have you learned from them? Because... That's the most important part of any. Um, you know, failures, I think everybody experienced some kind of failure in their life, whether it's huge or not. Um, you know, I've had failures both professional, well, professionally, but also like um, personally in my personal life. And I mean, I think it's just about getting past them and getting through them. I, I won't really speak like specifically about some of them, but... Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, it's important to also have that sense of resilience and kind of getting over things. And, I mean, you could harp on your failures if you're that kind of person forever, right? And you could let it really get to you. But you have to kind of keep yourself in a state of mind where you realize, you know, things that are important to you and you just keep being motivated on that to kind of get through it and then... Um, also be, uh, real, well, you know, you, uh, talk to, you know, the people who are around you and love you and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, talking is very important. Yes. Talking through moments like that mm -hmm. in your life. And I suppose what you said there a second ago, and I was thinking about it myself, it's, it's how you define failure, what, what it actually is the definition yeah. of failure. Because as you said, if you show that level of resilience and you get back up mm. again and you go again and you go back on it, well, then mm. it's not actually a failure. No. It's no. just a stumble. It's just a point in your life that you just have to get through. And um, I, I always believe that, you know, good things always come out of failure. You know, you might not know what that's going to be, but um, you always you always learn from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And as you said, the most important part of those moments in your life where you're struggling is to talk and to share to other people. Yes. Yeah, excellent. Thank you very much for that. Now, have you faced any specific roadblocks in your career in Shenzhen? Um, well, you know, right now I'm kind of going through a tough time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so at the end of June, uh, this past June, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Okay. So I've been battling breast cancer for the last, what is that, four months now? Yeah. Um, and I would say it's a bit of a roadblock and it's been difficult mm -hmm. and, uh, I guess it, it's hard because when you're sick, it's, it's, you can't do as much as you used to do mm -hmm. and you kind of have to, you know, accept that you're sick mm -hmm. and kind of say no to something. So for me, it's been a, it's been a roadblock in that sense. But um, not so much though. It's just 
different opportunities present themselves in different ways. I guess it's how you frame it and your your mm, outlook on yes. it. Yes. Because it's interesting because before the show started, I said to you I had a question and I, I, I thought about it earlier when I, I was actually doing some planning and the question was, um, what do you value most in life? Yes. And I was pretty sure I knew what your answer would be. Mm-hmm. So I value, right now I value my health a mm-hmm. lot. And you know what? It was something that I never really used to think about at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm still, I'm really young to have the type of cancer that I do. So it was never on my mind. I was, you know, um, I was always that person who, if someone got cancer, I'd be like, that's terrible. But I was never the type of person who would think like, oh, that's going to be me, right? I don't think anybody is. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been... So what's that journey been like for you? Can you talk us sure. a, talk to our audience about that? Because there's a lot of people who have probably been through this or will go through we'll go this. Through it. Yeah. Um, it's been difficult, obviously. It's mm-hmm. probably it's obviously the most difficult thing I've ever done. Um, it's weird because, you know, the cancer itself, like, it doesn't hurt. And I mm-hmm. think I think what I've learned a lot about having cancer is, like, you know, I felt, I felt a lump on my breast or my wife found a lump on my breast and that's how we... You know, that's where it started, where I went to the hospital and, we, you know, we got di- I got diagnosed and all that. But there was, like, no signs at all mm-hmm. with my health. I was extremely healthy. Like, if I got blood tests and things done, like, you would have never known. And yeah. it, that, for me, I think was the most scariest thing. Um, so what's the message there for people? I think you just, you have to, you have to be conscious of your health and, you know... Don't put it on the back burner because I think everybody's New Year's resolution is always like, I'm going to be healthier, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But like, you know, you really have to be true to yourself and really take care of yourself because if you don't, it's, you can't do anything else. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, since I've had cancer, I've really, you know, changed the way I eat, um, changed my outlook and I've appreciated things a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, I refuse to be one of those people who who are grumpy and sad because they have this crazy illness. But I try and be as positive as possible. And if you're not positive, you don't really have any other choice, honestly. You kind of just have to, you know, look at the things you love and do a lot of self-talk to kind of get yourself through it. Yeah. And learning the value of appreciation and showing gratitude every day for the yeah. small things it's it really can yeah. reframe your outlook yeah um what are you gra- grateful for today um gosh today i am grateful for being on this podcast obviously <laughs> thank you for inviting me <laughs> you're very welcome um today i'm grateful for i'm, I'm grateful that well, it's pretty specific today. Today, I'm grateful that my struggle with cancer hasn't been as bad as it could have been. Mm-hmm. Because when you read stories about other people's journey, it's, it's different. Everyone's different. And mine's been pretty good. And I've been pretty fortunate and pretty lucky. Okay. Um, I mean, it's been tough. But I could have it could have been a lot worse with side effects and things mm-hmm. that I've had with treatment and things. And, and stuff like that but I'm really grateful that it's been going well and um, 
I think too, I need to to remember to be mindful about you know people around me and people who are also going through this illness with me, and you know, um, I I just need to make sure that I'm as positive as possible. Yeah. Maintaining positivity is very, very important. Mm-hmm. And you have a wonderful outlook on it because it would have been easy for you. Because I, I loved when we we tweeted about the second episode and you said straight away that you wanted to come on the show on yeah. Twitter. And I was really impressed. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I was, as I said, I was actually very grateful that because I, I, I have seen you around the town of Teach Meets and that, but we've never spoken before, yeah. actually. And I was really grateful for you for that because it focused my mind mm-hmm. a lot more than my two previous guests. Not that, in the way that they were my friends, mm-hmm. I knew them. So I didn't really put that effort. It was more banter. Mm-hmm. It was more mm-hmm. talk. But I, I sat down today and I planned for three hours. I looked through your website and and I I, I wanted to know more about you before because I wanted to put that effort in I didn't Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I'm really grateful to you for that but I want to go back to something you said about um valuing your health yes because um I've never had cancer in my life but I do know the value because I did an exercise a few months back and it asked what you valued most in your life and for me it also the top one was health Mm -hmm. because um, I I suffered chronic back pain for yeah. two years. Okay. I had to quit tennis, quit mm-hmm. uh, quit tennis, quit squash, quit badminton, yeah. quit jogging, and it was a very very depressing time. Hugely frustrating. Mm-hmm. Like the frustration levels mm-hmm. were just through that roof. Yes. And, but, I like to walk, and I walk, and mm-hmm. I walk, and I walk, and I'm like so grateful that okay I have a sore back but I can still walk yes and to be grateful for that little small mercy and for having no back pain and every day that you don't have it it's yeah it's it's the same thing like people yeah. need to appreciate the, the small things the mm-hmm. small mercies yeah and you really don't I think you, you have to you be faced with something like that in order to really kind of see it and it's I think unfortunately for a lot of people it's, it's not they're not going to see that until they actually face some kind of hardship like that. Mm-hmm. It definitely gives you a way different outlook on life. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. And I think from what we've heard earlier in the podcast you're very lucky you have a strong support network yes. uh, behind you. Mm-hmm. What would you say to somebody in your situation without that support network? Um you can't do it alone. You need someone there. You need you need to be surrounded by people who care about you because, you know, you can only be so strong. Um, and there's only so much self-talk you can you can do, but you need those people around you who, who love you and support you to kind of cheer you on and um, help you get through things. And if you feel that you don't have those people in life, you need to reach out. Yes, there you need are to, those people. Yeah, there's lots of people who who are, you know, willing to help, for sure. Yeah. It's interesting because you're talking about the value of support. And in a podcast I did yesterday, it was a, a nine-year-old student sent a question in. Um, she was Kaylee Manfredi. She was one of, uh, she's the daughter of our teacher in school, Matthew Manfredi. And she was asking about the Sustainable Development Goals. And she asked mm-hmm. Steve Sosak and Aaron Moniz, 
which order or what order of importance. And he actually said he thinks 17 is the most important. And I agreed with him. And, and that's the one where you develop the partnerships. Mm -hmm. Because by developing the partnerships, you can achieve more. So mm -hmm. it sort of feeds into what we're talking about, support. Mm -hmm. And I think too, like especially, you know, when I was first diagnosed, there was a lot of steps that I needed to go through and I really needed to call upon, you know, those those people I've had connections with to kind of, you know, help me with that in that sense too. So, I mean, never never feel like you're alone because there's always people who can help you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Reach out to somebody. Um, and there's lots of support online for everything as well. Um, now... Tell me something that you firmly believe in that nobody, almost nobody agrees with you about. Oh my goodness. That's a difficult one. <laughs> they firmly believe in. That almost nobody will agree with you. Oh goodness. I think that people would agree with it a lot with me, but I may be going back to that balance idea that I was talking to you with. I think balance takes a lot of work. And if you want to be balanced um, and really do what you really love, it's going to not be as relaxing as you think it's going to be. And I think people would disagree with me on that. <laughs> okay that's a but good answer i think so but um i, I can't think of anything else because okay. i think a lot of people would probably agree with me on that. i would i probably should have sent you that question in advance <laughs> it was a difficult one now what does the future hold for you what what dreams and aspirations do you have in your future oh wow like what goals have have you got like maybe as an 18 year old that you'd still like to achieve Oh my goodness. Um, I really want to, you know, I, I would like to get my master's in art mm -hmm. and, and like a fine arts. Um, and I would really like to study that. That's a goal of mine, but I don't know. There's a lot of things that I could possibly do in the future. And that's something I've been really thinking about and I'm not sure you know, how much longer I'm going to stay in Shenzhen or if I'm going to move away from teaching and move more towards curating or do something like that. But um, for me, the future right now is good health mm -hmm. and being mindful that your life can change in two seconds mm -hmm. and just having that positive outlook on life, I would say. Every day, one day at a time. One day at a time. Yeah. I, what was it? The Beatles quote or John Lennon quote? Life. <laughs> well, I can't remember exactly. Life is what happens when you're planning or something. Yeah. I, I can't remember. It's a very famous quote by John Lennon. I, I'll throw it into the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you learned anything about yourself in the last hour that you had forgot maybe or as a result of this podcast? Yes, I have. You know, I think when you're sick, you forget about all the cool things you've done and mm -hmm. all, and you know, and I think that this podcast has made me realize that 
you know, I'm not a sick person. I'm a really awesome person. <laughs> you have loads of energy. <laughs> like I, I'm, I'm really, I'm so admirable. Yeah. Of the positivity you're bringing to show, the energy you bring into it, and you're so reflective and knowledgeable. It, it it's really, it's really wonderful. Thank you. You're, you're more than welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um. Now, how are you feeling right now? You know what? I feel really good. Yeah. I feel really good. This morning, I wasn't feeling really good uh, physically, but I find whenever I get to do things that I really care about and that really interest me, it makes me feel a lot better. So right now, I feel really good. Excellent. Yeah. And what about, because I found it really interesting, because I asked Claudio that at the end of the show last week, or whenever that was, and he he was he was quite emotional mm -hmm. and he he was seeing that how beautiful it was for him to think back on all those things in his past and he, he was so happy because as we say a lot of people think back in the past and are bitter and angry yeah. and you know a lot of things have water under the bridge but i suppose the the you have to look forward mm -hmm. and yeah i've I'm still have a long way to go so mm -hmm. <laughs> with my life so you know I'm really I'm really proud of everything I've done and you know I I look forward to like doing really cool things going forward in the future yeah and I highly re recommend we were talking off the show Camino de Santiago a lovely walking trip across Spain <laughs> yeah. so for you and your wife as soon as possible uh I recommend that, and I'll send you some information. Sure, thank you. Walking and meditating mm -hmm. across Spain, it's the way to go. <laughs> now, uh, we're nearing the end of the show, but the final thing I want to talk to you about, I want to thank you, first of all. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for giving me your time and your words of wisdom. But there's something that I want to thank you for more than that right now on Twitter, and I've, I've loved them over the last, I think, 10 days or something yeah. like this. Your daily quotes of inspiration from yes. uh, lots of different people. Today's mm. was Madonna, wasn't it? Yeah, today was classic Madonna. And what was that? What was those words of wisdom or of inspiration today? Uh, it was express yourself, don't regress yourself. Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Can you think of any, what, what does that mean to you? Um... You know, don't be afraid to communicate what you want to communicate and to do the things you love. And, you know, don't put yourself in a situation where you're going to be untrue to yourself and, you know, move back from regress from where you're going. And, yeah, so those daily quotes have really, it's part of my kind of self-talk to get through when mm -hmm. I'm my illness. And um, I'm trying to find them from people who've kind of really inspired me throughout my life. Um, who else have you had in there in oh the, man I've had a lot of the golden girls <laughs> the golden girls the golden girls I'm lost the golden girls I've... oh my goodness <laughs> I grew up in Ireland here oh man um, it, yeah you need to watch the golden girls I'll right. send that to you there was a TV show about these like four uh, women and oh, like in their middle uh, in their middle ages and it was like a popular show in the 80s, and they're called the Golden Girls. So, like, Betty White is part of the Golden Girls. Okay. And, yeah. <laughs> um, it's just a really hilarious show that you really need to see. Okay. Well, there, there's my advice for the day. Yes. So, what, what, what did they say as words of wisdom? Um, 
I'd have to go back and look. I think one of them was, uh, you know, if you don't have a sense of humor, then you're going to be, you know, you're, you're not going to be uh, in a good place in your life or something along that end, mm -hmm. I would say. Um, you need the ability to laugh at yourself in life, yes. to be honest with you. If, if take you're yeah, don't take things seriously or something yeah. like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think we're going to leave it there for now. Sure. Um, it's actually we're in La Five Chefs in uh, Sheko and uh, they're they're using the upstairs area where we do our podcast. It's Harry's birthday tonight, so okay. happy birthday to <laughs> Harry. Um, Gloria, I'd like to thank you again for coming on the show. It's It's been fantastic listening to you and you really are an inspiration to everybody Um not just in the art community, but the wider community of Shenzhen, the positivity that you bring to life for people in your community and the mental strength that you have and just the, the, the positive attitude and the mindful attitude that you're bringing to your current fight with cancer. It, it's an inspiration for all. And I hope that uh, as soon as you overcome it fully, that you will share your story in full with everybody and because I think a lot of people can draw a lot of inspiration from you as a person thank you that's so nice of you <laughs> wow um thank you so much for having me on uh your show and um you know I look forward to seeing how it evolves and I know you're really passionate about doing this and um yeah, I look forward to the future of them and listening to them all. No problem. And please, actually, one thing I would say, please recommend people to the show because uh, I have the next two guests hopefully lined up. Actually, I have to uh, text one. I know he's going to be in town in two weeks' time, so I'm really hoping he can be on the show. And I met a man. Uh, he is a Chinese man from a different area. He's not from Shenzhen. I can't remember the area he told me, but he's lived in Shenzhen for 17 years. I met him at the Sheko conference uh, on Saturday. Mark Jing, I think is his name. So I'm, he's go I'm gonna have a podcast with him in wow. a month's time. So I'm really interested in that to hear the perspective of Chinese nationals who are, and we were actually having a conversation, mm -hmm. Mark and I, about what do you call uh, a person from their own country that moves internally? Because it's not an expat. Yeah. Wow. There was a lady from Los Angeles at the same table of us, and she said in Los Angeles they call it a transplant. Okay. So <laughs> I don't know. So that's uh, in a month's time, Mark Shing will be on the show. And in two weeks' time, I'm hoping and praying that uh, a man called Andrew Vadas will be on the show. He's okay. been in Shenzhen a long time, but... Uh, I've been meaning to contact him. So, uh, Gloria, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, so from PRS Radio Shenzhen, uh, that's all for this week's episode. We hope that you have enjoyed the show. Please follow us. Uh, please like the show and subscribe on the App Store. Thank you. <laughs>